passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, guys, it's podcast time. The Bite Me podcast is with you this week, and we're going to have all the information that you need, hopefully, at least that you need and that we know about to this point. It is clearly after the 2021 winter storm and fish freeze it is a very fluid thing that's going on up and down the gulf coast i'm john lopez captain scott Knoll, as always is right across from me and as much as we'd like to have him he's here again caleb mccumber uh, a regular guest on uh, the buy me podcast is joining us this is an important one we gave you first impressions first thoughts and first observations uh last week uh this week let me go through a little bit of what we're going to talk about here on the Buy Me podcast, and let me also remind you to subscribe to the podcast because uh, it has been uh, something that everybody has been, uh, pretty much everybody who likes the fish has been wanting to find out more about the, the fish freeze and the significance in the future, and also some fishing. We know we're always going to talk some fishing, and we're going to do that in today's show as well. But uh, subscribe to the podcast anywhere, pretty much anywhere where you get a podcast. And join the group page uh, with about 5,000 plus of your closest friends. Some of them not so close, but we won't get into that. Uh, but uh, 5,000 of your closest friends. And uh, we will we will stay plugged in. Very few people are as, uh, are as uh, honored as I am to, to do this podcast, this fishing podcast, and in this case, uh, talking about some of the things that are going on in our ecosystem and fishery. Uh, with guys that's plugged in as Captain Scott and Caleb McCumber. So let's dig right in. We're going to talk post-freeze issues, uh, but also some fishing uh, items as well. So, Scott, uh, you know, the first thing I want to do before we get into some post-freeze regulations, I'm going to call it intel because it's nothing official yet, uh, but things that you and Caleb are, are hearing from people who would know and are in the know. I do want to just throw this out there at the top of the podcast. I, I did this on a lark almost, uh, on a spur-of-the-moment thing, and it's gaining some traction. I want our listeners, if you are so inclined, and I hope you are, uh, to hop on with what I've been calling the Bite Me Labor Day Challenge. We don't know what Texas Parks and Wildlife is going to decide. We don't know, really, to this point, the true extent of the of the fish kill, and we're going to get right into that, as I mentioned in just a second. But what we can do right now is just make a personal little challenge. And, I, and I've and i committed to it, um, the Bite Me Labor Day Challenge. Every fish you catch between now and Labor Day, and unless Texas Parks and Wildlife gives us, uh, uh, other, you know, tells us otherwise, just return it. Just throw it back. Catch and release. We'll all eat, you know. Hopefully we'll all, we all have enough means uh, to get dinner on the table. 
We want everyone to fish. It's what we like to talk about, and it's what we want to talk about more so than fish freezes and fish kills. Um, but uh, between now and Labor Day, I'm in on the Bite Me Labor Day challenge. I know you guys are professionals, and sometimes you're going to have to bend the rules for some clients. But I feel like this is something, you know, Scott, that, that most people can at least try to, between now and Labor Day, unless you hear otherwise, try to catch and release everything. Yeah. I mean, I've been on that bandwagon for a long time. <laughs> I know anyway. you have. <laughs> yeah, this just kind of drives the point home. Uh, do any of us really have to go out there and kill a bunch of fish every week to prove ourselves? No. I mean, and that's the thing uh, that I see a lot. It's, it sure feels like the cleaning table is a place to puff your chest out and throw a big big pile of fish up there and say, you know, it's an ego check. Hey, you know, I'm a better fisherman than you. Well, we caught just as many as you did. We just don't have them in a cooler. You, <laughs> you know? call them hero picks, and I've adopted that. I like that. Yeah, hero shots. I mean, mm-hmm. doc shots, hero shots, whatever you want to call them. Um, and I'd, I'd really like to see them go away. When I was growing up, there was pictures like that of bass. Yeah. That was a regular thing, man. You'd see a, a dock full of, you know, three- and four-pound bass just laid out mm-hmm. and – Two proud guys standing behind it. You never see that anymore. <laughs> you get that, shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most lakes in Texas, they, they'd string you up, man. And uh, you'd become, in salt, we call it crab bait. I don't know what kind of bait you'd be if you yeah. did that up there, catfish bait, I guess. Yeah. But uh, I'd like to see that mentality. I don't want it to be all catch and release. We've talked about it a million times. I like to eat fish. Mm-hmm. I eat fish. I keep some trout. I just don't keep. A whole bunch of trout and i don't have any in my freezer yeah i can understand if you live away from the coast you want to put a few in the freezer that's fine don't overdo it i mean how many people have thrown out freezer burned fish yeah yeah and you do it in this room right here we got three people i guarantee you all three of us have thrown out freezer burned fish at some time in our life oh yeah no and doubt and i uh, won't do it anymore uh caleb i, I want to get right into the the intel which i feel is the most important part of uh, uh of this podcast today so i'll get your thoughts on the, the bite me labor day challenge just give it to me in five seconds because i i'm in i know eventually you're going to have clients on your boat that are going to want to keep some fish so you got to be a little bit i'm sure flexible with that no i think it's great and i think that you know bite me stepping up and offering a rewards program to do the right thing is is great so maybe some of those clients that don't that did want to keep them will will change their mind just off of that alone all right scott um here we are uh we are uh, posting this podcast on uh, the 24th on wednesday and as we speak as we're recording this uh, fish kill and uh, intelligence, if you will, that, that and connections uh, that you have are telling you what? Well, I'm reading right now. <laughs> I just got an email in mm-hmm. uh, from Texas Parks and Wildlife. Uh, I've been in contact with them. I went back and forth with Carter Smith yesterday. Mm-hmm. He, he sent me He's one the CEO. Of his, um, or whatever it is. Director, he's the big know. cheese, he's, yeah. He, Executive he, director, I think. He is the big dog at Texas yeah. Parts Wild. Anyway, uh, he put me in touch with one of his guys who is also a Bite Me listener, mm-hmm. found out, uh, Dacus Eastland. Nice. Shout out to him. Nice. Uh, he sent me a deal. They're not going to give us numbers. That's not going to happen. Uh, not right now. Uh, but his basically his statement is, uh, given the coast-wide scale of the freeze event on texas coastal fisheries coastal fisheries staff from multiple programs continue to assess the 
fish kill impacts of the freeze. We're assessing areas from Sabine to Brownsville. Due to the exhaustive effort it takes to generate a quantitative fish kill estimate of this magnitude, we don't expect to have an estimated number of fish killed until later this week. As you know, spotted sea trouts are our game fish that has hit the hardest uh, during any of these events. Additionally, certain areas along the coast are harder hit than others. And he goes on and lists quite a few of them that they've seen mm-hmm. the biggest hits. Uh, Pringle Lake, East Matagorda Bay, ones that we know about. Right. Uh, Karankawa, Redfish Bay at the Causeway, uh, the Land Cut, Port Mansfield. And he listed Brownsville Ship Channel. I hadn't heard much about that down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's probably going to need to add West Bay and Galveston onto that. Uh, while most of Galveston seems to have escaped, uh, today's the day they're starting to float. And I've been, that's been my deal in Caleb. You've been too. saying that. Yeah, it's going to take maybe till Tuesday, Wednesday even. Yeah, it, it, I talked to Dr. McKee. He was a fisheries biologist during the, the freezes in the 80s. Mm-hmm. He's well-respected still within Parks and Wildlife. Uh, they're sending him samples of these fish right now. Uh, he said what they're finding is mud in their gills, uh, indicating that these fish went all the way to the bottom in soft mud and tried to survive, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said the same thing that he saw in the 83 freeze and 89 freeze. So those fish don't float. I mean, they've, they've expanded all their air out of their swim bladder. They sit on the bottom. They're in the mud. They're trying to stay warm. And then the cold gets to them and it kills them. They stay on the bottom. They don't float up for a while. Mm-hmm. Dr. McKee told me two days ago, he said, Tuesday, Wednesday, he said, I'm expecting Wednesday to be the day of the float. Mm-hmm. He said that's the way it was after 89. It was 10 days. Mm. And so he'd gone back and calculated and looked at his records from, and the guy keeps immaculate records too, yeah. as most scientists would. Uh, not like us. <laughs> but uh, he had a, he had records of it, and he said, I think it's going to start happening on Wednesday, which is tomorrow. Uh, Caleb and I both started getting calls today. Hey, man. Uh, I know I told you that there wasn't any fish kill over here in this area, but mm-hmm. my God, they're starting to float right now. Don't get me wrong. I, I want to be wrong. Yeah. I would love to be wrong on this. I want to be wrong. I don't think I am. And that's that's been killing me with a lot of people. <laughs> I've gotten some hate mail yeah. uh, saying, man, you're blowing this out of proportion. And all I was saying was... I wish you were. All I was saying was wait and see. Just sit back. Wait and see. Let's not go out there and jack with these fish. Don't go catch a bunch of fish just because we can because they're all grouped up. Mm-hmm. Let's wait and assess what the damage is before we go out there and start hammering on them. Yeah, Scott and I aren't the most popular people on social media. <laughs> yeah, you are. It's <laughs> no. just the the vocal minority that is uh, – and it's, all, it's understandable. I'm not trying to defend what people have said to you. But I am trying to defend the the mindset. I think people just, I refuse, I refuse. a denial, you know? But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, what they they need to understand is Scott has a lot of experience, but both of us are in touch with people that are, they have doctorates in this. Mm -hmm. And we're the the messengers, we're the middlemen. You know, a little bit of logic, but mostly what the experts are are handing to us. And, you know, like Scott said, uh, I had people go run areas for us, you know, three or four days ago. And they said, "Ma'am, we don't see much. There's, you know, is, we're looking like we're pretty good." Mm-hmm. And I've been one of the guys on on social media and my YouTube channel as well, saying, "Look, it's too early to call this." You know, I'm not saying you're right. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's too early to call this right. because what I have been seeing whenever I did venture out into the bay 
is yes, there was some fish floating. Yes, there was fish washed up on the shoreline, but at two or three feet of water, you could see white bellies upside down in it. And yeah. then, and then you know, you look at the videos that have been posted, and it, the fish are all laying on bottom, and it makes perfect sense. Um, what's really resonating with me, what is just screaming in my ears, mm-hmm. is that. You know, we've seen the videos from Rockport and Mansfield of the big groups of fish just up on the edge and they're warming up. They're doing fish things. They're acting like fish. But um, I ran close to 23, 25 miles in East Matagorda Bay Mm -hmm. and saw one redfish and one sheephead on the entire stretch from the south shoreline up the west, back down the north. They're not, while I, I, I won't argue with people that it's hard to find a lot of signs of death over the past right. couple of days. Right. But it is very easy to find no signs of life. Mm-hmm. And that that's what's screaming at me because at this point, that water in the middle of the bay and the deeper water is much colder than the water is up on the edges. Those fish by nature should be up there mm-hmm. warming themselves back up. So that that that's the number one thing that, that's making me very nervous. And then, you know, you know, kind of like what Scott was saying is that these last several days we haven't seen a whole lot. And then this morning we're getting messages from mm-hmm. West Galveston, Baffin, the land cut, Port Mansfield, um, that, oh man, they're really starting to show up. They're really starting to float now. I was, I was, I haven't been able to confirm this myself, but mm-hmm. it is from a, 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 a good source that the diversionary canal in Matagorda, they said they, you know, just a brief overview accounted a hundred trout. Those mm. fish, those fish weren't floating yesterday. Right. So just like Dr. McKee was saying, you know, he's, he predicted Wednesdays when we really see it. Well, guess what? Tuesday is starting to show. Right. So, you know, the, the message would be everybody has their opinion. At this point, nobody can prove who is right. Mm-hmm. But let's admit that we need to wait and see what's what's happening to, to do that. Right. I think everybody wants to put a number on it, um, and you can't put a number on it, you know, by any stretch right now because it is so early. But let's get to – okay – Scott, you know, I, I keep mentioning this word intel. Um, no one, no one's going to quote Texas Parks and Wildlife Department because Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is still working on it. But if you had to guess based on everything that we are gathering, and 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 Caleb, you too, what do you think it's going to mean? You know, where where do you think they might lean? And not to put words in their mouth, not to project what they're going to say, but based on your experiences and what you've you know kind of called. What is it going to mean for us in the in the near term and, and long term here? But it, it maybe even in terms of some of the regulations they might be considering. Well, Parks and Wildlife has never been one to just jump up and do something. Right. I mean, that's that's not the way they operate. They operate off science. They operate off of numbers. Uh, they're going to do this study. They're going to work on it. They're going to crunch the numbers. Uh, we've got a spring gillnet survey coming up in April. I'd love it to see something being done before then, mm-hmm. but I don't picture them doing anything with it until after those numbers get crunched. Then they make the proposals to change the limits or whatever they, whatever they even decide. Even if it's temporary or whatever. Even if it's temporary, then it goes into effect September 1st. Mm-hmm. That's, that's our year for them. Uh, I would imagine that there's a way they could enact emergency situation if, if they mm-hmm. saw that this was more widespread. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I've never, in all my lifetime, I don't ever recall Parson Wildlife doing yeah. anything like that. Uh, there's a lot of talks, too, about this uh, the fish closures, closures that were that went on. 
they were limited to two days. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't help. No. I mean, it helped, but it didn't do it. Yeah. Because the fish were still stunned. They were still in, like, Matagorda Harbor, Port Mansfield at the harbor there. So Danny knew and some of the guys were down there, and they were getting pretty upset with the people snagging fish once it opened back up. Right. People were snagging trout off the bottom. I saw some videos, know, yeah. And everybody saw videos of all of it. Uh, they they made some calls and they got it reinstated. Mm-hmm. The fish enclosure got reinstated for another day or two or something like that. Um, so what they're looking at going forward is expanding some of that, picking out some other areas. I talked to somebody that um, they were running around West Galveston Bay with them mm-hmm. and running around all the Galveston complex, pointing out areas that this is an old time fisherman. He knows all the areas where, yeah. where trout go when it gets cold. He's pointing out those areas as additional closed areas. So if they're doing it there, I imagine they're doing it all up and down the coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other biggest biggest problem I saw was the barges. Oh, my I gosh. Mean, it was, when I was there last weekend, they were still coming down. Oh, they're just trucking. Yeah. And uh, Caleb talked to, uh, talked to somebody about that, and it was pretty disturbing. Yeah, so I've been in contact with Dr. McKee quite a bit. He's a guy that I'm really interested in having on my channel mm-hmm. for next week's episode. And Dr. McKee, he told me some stuff that, that I'd never even considered. You know, I'm a young guy, I'll admit it. Yeah. You know, that's why I'm following these guys' leads. But he asked me, he said, of these dead trout that you are finding, are you finding dead trout with mud in their mouth or their gills? And upon more elaboration, what he was trying to say is, that a lot of time when this happens, these fish will drop off in the intercoastals or the land cuts or places like that. They'll lay on bottom. Well, when the barges come through, the barges are stirring up the bottom and essentially burying these fish and and smothering them. And so that was yesterday when I was talking to Mr. McKee. I spoke with Cliff Webb today, mm-hmm. and Mr. Webb he had just got back from the land cut, and I I didn't bring any of this up before I talked to him or while I was talking to him, and he said, you know, the the thing is, we're finding a bunch of trout. That their mouths and their gills are just loaded with mud. They're they're floating with only their tail out of their water and their head straight down because they're loaded with this mud. So to to me, you know that that illustrates that point quite clearly, and not and that's a lot of the reason why people were so upset about the barge traffic. Right now, I've seen the argument that well, people are driving their bay boats back and forth. That, Those are shallow water boats. Yes, you're you're, t- you're talking 250 horses at half throttle mm-hmm. with a motor that's eight inches under the water. Yeah, a, a barge is turning twin screws at 2,500 horses and i don't know what is it 12 foot deep or yeah. it's not it's not quite 12 probably about yeah, most places foot. nine to ten feet <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean and you can see them start up the bottom right it's not hard why but, do you think all the pelicans and, and seagulls are yeah. picking everything right. up you know behind them well the other part that got me that you were talking about with him was the sea turtles yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah he said there were there was a bunch of sea tur- turtles floating there in the land cut and those barges were were just chopping their shells up and busting them to pieces going through there he said you could hear it crunching oh Oh, well, it's funny you guys uh, brought up the, the mud because I was out there last weekend. I was texting with you guys. I was, I was thinking about, you know, and I've got a shallow running boat, but I, I was thinking about going out there, just morbid curiosity. But I was texting with Nick Mosley, and um, he saw exactly what you just described. And I saw, I caught up with him uh, out there on East Matagorda Bay. And I saw three uh, enormous trout. And after we hear from Nick Mosley, uh, Captain Nick, I, I want to ask you guys about, you know, a thought I have on why all he saw was the big trout. 
All right, this is the day after the last freeze. Uh, we are here in East Matagorda Bay on uh, Saturday. I guess it's the 20th, something like that. Uh, but uh, just caught up with Captain Nick Mosley. Captain Nick, as you know, is a good friend of the show and was out there in the middle of, of, of East Matagorda Bay. And it wasn't, it wasn't pretty, but um, I got to see three of the fish that, that he uh, scooped up, uh, including the biggest trout I've ever laid eyes on in my life, uh, 32 inches, almost 11 pounds. But Nick, uh, just take us through the day and what you did. So we started the morning off not exactly sure where we were gonna, gonna look. I knew some areas that typically hold bigger fish. But this is a little different. These fish are more in survival mode, so they were gonna go places that feel like they thought were gonna be warmer, not necessarily places where they're gonna to go to feed. The tides were really, really low. Like, it's probably the lowest I've ever seen them. I've seen them Personally, like yeah. I mean, it was pretty bad. We didn't see a lot of bait fish out today. There's a lot of birds out there eating on, on these fish that we found. Mm -hmm. Didn't really see a lot of smaller fish. I don't know if it's like some of the guys that have been through this before saying, I mean, I'm sure I'll trust their knowledge. I hope that they're wrong uh maybe those fish just hadn't started floating yet but the majority of all the fish that we found today were big like really big i would say anywhere from probably six and a half pounds up to the one that i mean it's just a hair under 11. it's probably one of the bigger ones i'll ever see in my lifetime too it also made me a little bit more hopeful about you know our bay system i thought potentially with all the pressure and, and people fishing the bay and the, you know the arguments with live bait versus artificial that those fish just weren't there anymore and i'm telling you i saw them today mm -hmm. they are there I, I would guess that the short time that we were out there we probably saw between 50 and 60 fish over seven pounds multiple fish over 30 inches uh, i would say at least a half a dozen over nine pounds three of them were over 10 pounds and then the one you know it was just a fish on its own mm -hmm. i did we did find another one that was really long wasn't as fat as the is the biggest one it it hit 31 and it was touching 10 pounds so i don't know i have hope that that a lot of our smaller breeding fish made it as the day went on and water started warming up i did see the water uh so these fish are going to start warming up you know now now they're they need to be in recovery mode it's not so much survival mode hopefully they can find some bait fish to eat i know we went out tuesday and it was pretty rough so now, what is the strategy? I know I, I know you listen to the podcast, and I've been saying I think guides are going to be even more important in a lot of ways just to help people kind of navigate, so to speak, uh, through what fish could be doing, what they're doing in recovery and all that. Uh, first things first, uh, how are you going to handle this professionally moving forward? Well, I definitely have to approach it carefully. I'm going to take my time and kind of ease into it. I know for the first several weeks I'm going to have to kind of gauge how many fish we actually lost, you know? I hate to tell somebody that, that wants to go fishing and, and maybe potentially have a fish fry, hey, you know, you have to let everything go. I'm not, I don't think I'm gonna be that hardcore about it. Maybe not keeping more than what you're gonna eat, you know? I, I think now's the time for us to, to protect and respect our resource until we know exactly how bad this was. I know down south, they have a really good idea that it was detrimental to their fishery. I don't think that we are gonna be as bad. Mm -hmm. I really don't. I think we have a lot of creeks and rivers. It's kind of a double-edged sword for us. It's a good thing and a bad thing. It's why our bay is so muddy. <laughs> and, but it gave these fish a lot of places to go. And I'm not seeing the death in those creeks and rivers. Now, the one good thing about Nick, uh, I was real good friends with your dad who uh, fished forever. And I know he 
told you some things about 83 and 89 and you may experience yourself some some of the experiences of that what would the recovery look like in terms of time uh, you know and and how people should approach i know based on the stories from those freezes their trout population didn't come back for two or three years i mean i know with these bigger fish some people say a 30 inch trout's 10 11 years old so if we lost all our bigger fish or the majority of our bigger fish, we're not going to see those fish for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be six, seven years before you can consistently catch them. I do think the surf is going to help us out a lot. You know, we get a lot of those tide runners. They'll move down from other areas. They migrate, and uh, they'll eventually end up coming into your base system as well. I, I think it's still maybe a little too early to tell. Yeah. You know, we're just going to have to kind of see what the next couple of weeks, how they play out and uh, and move forward from there. and. I've talked to a lot of people on the water today. They caught wind that I was out there and, you know, peers of mine, other guides. We all kind of have the same outlook, you know. We're going to approach it cautiously, see what shape our fishery's in, and make a decision from there. And and we're all like-minded, you know. People think, oh, guides are out there killing everything sometimes. And because we're out on the water so much, but that's our job is to take people to catch fish at the end of the day. So I'm hoping for the best, preparing for the worst. And until I know it's a best case scenario, you know, we're gonna try to to limit what we keep and what we kill, you know? You don't wanna go out there and take what was left that -hmm. survived out uh, out of the fishery. All right, so that was pretty startling. Uh, Caleb, you saw the exact uh, 32-incher that I saw. I'm just going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I've been fishing my whole life. I've been on water my whole life. I've never seen a bigger trout in my life. No, it's it's a shame that that's mm-hmm. that that fish it was i think it was 10 and three quarters on the boga but mm-hmm. before it before it died you know they lose weight when they die quite yeah. often that's an 11 pound trout yeah i've unfortunately that's the first time i've ever gotten to hold one <laughs> my goodness what a fish that thing was it, it the base of its tail was like the fat end of a baseball bat oh yeah and and, and unfortunately that wasn't the only one i think Nick, I, we, I, I was in the bay on the same day, but by the time I got there, Nick had already kind of done the legwork mm-hmm. on checking for trout. I went and looked at some other stuff. That's the same day that I didn't see anything on the flats. Um, but yeah, he had a pile. But they all had mud. And, and, and they were and all big. They were all big. So that was my question, Scott. Let me, let me start with you on that, because every one that I saw, well, I saw three, but uh, there were 50, 60 that he had, and he said they were all muddy like that. And they were all big. Uh, I think he he said there were fifty six and a half to eight pound trout, several nines, a ten, and then this eleven. Two tens. Two tens, and then this eleven. Um, did would the big trout be the first? You know, because of their size of their stomachs to kind of float up. I would think so. Right. I I mean I don't. I'm no scientist. <laughs> yeah. You no, know, I was just kind of using logic you know, there and experience. Yeah. So. I mean, my thought on that was those fish got washed up those, those fish were in the intercoastal and got washed out of the intercoastal mm-hmm. um, i heard a lot of that from down south with wayne that the sides of the land cut were just felt full of fish and then just south of the land cut into uh, the lower laguna he found the he said he was like a wall of fish mm-hmm. that was dead but the current was moving that way and we had had all these north winds so it makes sense to me that those fish died more likely in the intercoastal there at the land cut and got washed out into the bay. And that's where they're trapped now. Yeah, uh, That's where they're seeing a lot of the death and destruction. Uh, so I think back to those barges, man, 
I think those fish went into those canals, went in, got deep, got in that mud, and got stirred up, mm-hmm. got turned over. And uh, we were throwing uh, Everett Johnson with Texas Saltwater Fishing Magazine. Mm-hmm. He was going down the end of my road on the pier and throwing a, a thermometer out with a weight on it. And he was getting readings in the 30s down deep. Mm. And so that water had been turned over. Yeah. Uh, normally you would find that cold water up top and then you got the layer warm just like in your swimming pool you mm-hmm. feel it mm-hmm. you know i'm not talking about when somebody pees in it just yeah. just you know you feel the difference anytime you've been in a lake you feel the difference mm-hmm. well take that and just put it in a blender and mix it mix that top cold water in with the bottom warmer water where those fish were trying to hide it's just not a good thing yeah mr webb was even saying there in the land cut that the fish that were up in the shallows trying to sun when he was there Mm -hmm. i guess yesterday the when the barges come through the wakes from them would shove those fishes up and the fishes those fish up in water that was so shallow that they couldn't get back and they were they were too weak he said they were laying there you know trapped and flopping and even in a worse case still but then the other thing that that i've gathered from some of the people that i've talked to is and I think that, that that's going to make the case for Texas Park and Wildlife a little bit tougher in the them estimating the kill count on the fish is that I was from it's my understanding that a majority of these fish that are on the bottom are not going to ever float up. Oh, there, really? There's going to be a percentage that stay on the bottom and just yeah. get ate by crabs and, and don't come back. So, well, yeah. so you know, it put you were asking, you know, what do you think they would do as far as the estimate and regulations? It's really hard for them to go off of that before they can do their gill netting in the spring to to figure all of that out. Yeah. What about the, continuing with what uh, Dacus sent me? He, it uh, had a chance to read a little bit more of it. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, while we anticipate this event to be significant on, in terms of numbers of fish kill, we won't know the true impact of the fish kill till after our spring gill net surveys, April through June, um, till those have been analyzed. We will also continue to conduct creel surveys as this information is key to understanding how the freeze impacts angler catch rates. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he went on with the good news was you know our spotted sea trout were in high abundance in a lot of the bays uh, prior to this, and he expects you know we'll return to a robust spotted sea trout deal because we have hatcheries now and habitat enhancements. Uh, last year, the uh, I keep hearing people asking about the on social media asking about you know how the hatcheries are you know why do we just do redfish Mm -hmm. they released over three million trout to the texas bays last year out of the hatcheries so that i would imagine that's going to get ramped up if Mm -hmm. i had to guess and uh, maybe dedicate some of the uh, redfish stuff over to trout for a little while right john redfish uh, you know um well let me just ask you caleb what what are you seeing and hearing regarding redfish well, yeah, I haven't seen a whole lot of dead redfish. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been through several of the back lakes that traditionally hold them. I have seen no signs of life in those lakes, which leads me to believe that they got out to the intercoastal. Mm-hmm. So now I have to keep my fingers crossed that they survived in the intercoastal. They're hardier. They're used to the bottom. Yeah, they're 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 a tougher fish. Yeah. You know, there's many things that make a redfish cooler than a trout. Mm. <laughs> but, we won't get there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen a couple on the side of the intercoastal dead. Um, Russell Smith, he's he's a captain up there in Freeport. He he showed me you know a wad of dead fish in a back lake, but it isn't doesn't seem to be as widespread and as bad as the trout. Mm-hmm. Uh, just it just you know as long as they made it there in the ditch, and it's hard to say whenever 
you know, how long it'll take them to get back in those lakes and do their thing. Right. But has, so far, they don't look like they've taken too bad of a beating. Has anybody been into cow trap and those places that you know of? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's we've, we've covered all of that. Okay. Um, yeah. That was one area during the 80s freezes or one of the other freezes. I don't remember which one. Uh, cow trap was a redfish trap. And it went down when the water went down there was redfish back don't act like nobody knows <laughs> that there's redfish in cow trap like, i am not breaking news here <laughs> it's a shallow lake full of oysters yeah, what do you think's I gonna mean, happen it's very, very sure. dangerous very dangerous lake Scott. Yeah, it, is, it is i mean i don't like running it i can tell you that much that thing it's full of oysters if you like your gel coat do not go in there Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah. So, so we between myself and my five or six guys that I communicate with in the redfish world, we've covered everything from the Colorado River to uh, past Surfside a little bit. Haven't seen much death in the lakes, but again, haven't seen much life in them. So they're they're in deep water somewhere, and we have our fingers crossed for them. And flounder are going to be probably okay, correct? Because they were yeah. out in the Gulf. Flounder, for the most part, have left the bays, went out in the Gulf. That's what the fall flounder run's all right. about. And we'll have a spring flounder run when they come back. All right, so what about trout right now? Uh, both you guys, um, I talked at the start of this about the Bite Me Challenge, the Labor Day Challenge to release all, all your fish, but um, what, are, what are your thoughts on catching trout? I mean, what if you had to make a call, we're not TPWD, <laughs> and we're going to hear from them. We're gonna we're gonna hopefully have you know uh, Carter on at some point here in in the future. We can't say near future because they're still working. Yeah. Uh, but we will hopefully have them on. Like if you guys were, you know, you know, guiding and they said, "I want to catch some trout." What are you telling them? If somebody, you, another guide? No, no, no. Oh, clients or something. Clients want to go out and they want to catch trout. I'm probably gonna try to push them over to redfish. Yeah. Uh, for right now, I don't want to mess with the trout. I don't. I, for I how just, long? I don't know. I really don't. I want to see what happens. Like, like we've been saying over and over again. Let's wait and see. Let's yeah. wait and see. And that doesn't mean let you know. Like, let's wait till last Sunday. You know, a lot of people did that. Hey, the sun came out. We waited. Oh man, that was driving me nuts. I was driving yeah. around. <laughs> we we waited. Now we're going fishing. Nah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to wait for a while. I know Caleb is. He's he's uh, canceled some trips, mm-hmm. and uh, I canceled a couple of trips that I had coming up, even redfish trips. Uh, I just want to give them a chance to go back to normal. Catching fish under these circumstances is pretty damn easy. Yeah, I mean, there it's shooting fish in a barrel. If you've been at this game for any length of time, you know where they're going. Yeah, you know exactly where they should be, and they're going to be laid up in there, and they're just trying to survive. They're trying to warm up enough to get their bodies working again so they can start feeding again. Mm-hmm. And it's just wrong, in my opinion, to take advantage of them when they're like that. I'm going to ease out there probably next Monday. Okay. Um, it's, it's, I think I have one customer on Monday. And, and before we go, we're gonna, I'm going to tell him, look, um, depending on what we see, it depends on whether we fish or not. Uh, you know, like Scott was saying, between last week and then I canceled everything this week just out of respect for the resource. And mm-hmm. that's that was between last week and this week was, was – uh, 
uh, 12 trips at about 700 bucks a day. So I'm not... I'm not doing it for my own my own giggles here. Yeah, I, you know I'm just trying to do the right thing here. Uh, and, and like Scott was saying, I know where I could go catch a fish every cast right now, mm-hmm. and you know do all that kind of stuff. Uh, a friend of mine went out yesterday or the day before. I can't remember. He made he made three casts in a in deep water, mm-hmm. and he on his third cast he caught a 14 inch redfish. He got it up and he told me that thing felt like an ice cube and that the the meat along his or his, his back. He said the fish felt squishy and mushy. Mm, it didn't mm-hmm. even. He said it didn't even feel like a redfish. So he he turned that fish back in the water and went and put his boat back up in the slip and went home. Yeah. And uh, you know that that's probably gonna be what I'm gonna do Monday. And then from there on out, I I've been looking at making arrangements to go to Louisiana and sight cast redfish all for, for next next several months. Look at you. So it's it's uh you know like Scott's we don't know yet we don't we don't know how bad it was and you know until we know that we'll be able to make calls. But right now I'm being pretty tentative with it. All right, so, you know, catch and release, and this was, a, you know, let's get to some fishing points here, um, and then we'll wrap up with some more thoughts that you guys have on this, but uh, it all kind of ties together right now. Um, somebody was, was asking, all right, I'm in, I want to catch and release, and ask the question about hooks, jig heads, best chances for survival of, of, of fish. Um, we've touched on this, Scott, you and I have, but I want to get back to it. Um, all right. I mean, people, we want people to fish. It's why we do a podcast. We want you to wait. We want you to be smart. We want you to catch and release when you do fish. What, what do you, what can you tell folks right now? Do away with your treble hooks. Number one, uh, go to single hooks on your lures. We've discussed that mm-hmm. quite a few times. Uh, they make the, make single replacement hooks. Several companies do it. Owner is one that I use most, uh, and if you really want to get into it, mash the barb. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do it with fly fishing all the time. I don't know why it's not done more regularly in regular fishing when people are into catch and release. Uh, I would, if I were going to go trout fishing right now, I would tend to throw a single hook on a soft plastic and just deal with it. Whether mm-hmm. I caught fish or didn't catch fish that particular day is is fine but i'm not going to go out there and throw a plug that's got two treble hooks on it or three treble hooks on it or top water or anything like that that's very rarely do we screw a fish up mm-hmm. but why take the chance yeah and the one thing i've never done is mash and barb down on my hook but the majority of the fishing we're doing will be a jig head with a plastic and we'll start mashing the barbs down because you know uh, as far as the catch and release question you had earlier it's mandatory on my boat period if, if if you don't want to catch and release, I'll refund your deposit and, yeah. and call somebody else. Yeah, I had a, a, a charity tournament. Uh, I don't guide professionally, but I of, often guide for, as a, you know, you've done it with me, uh, both of you guys. But I had one uh, with the Depelchen Center. They they bid a bunch of money and wanted to fish with me. And so I don't charge anything, So but, but I take them out and I just emailed them. I said, it's catch and release only, or we can talk again in August, you know, or July or, you know, uh, but I don't make a living that way uh, on the water. So that's why I wanted to ask you two. One of the things I'm seeing that's kind of disturbing, and I didn't, I I was back and forth about even getting into this. Mm -hmm. There's a a whole bunch of guides running around right now that are saying, everything's fine. It's all good. I went here. I went there. I went all these places. Name it off places that I know damn good and well have dead fish because I got friends that have mm-hmm. sent me videos from those spots. Yeah, I know there's. You dead sent fish. me one. I've sent you videos. Everybody, 
we're Caleb and I are like some kind of a clearinghouse for these videos. <laughs> I mean, it's just constant all day long. I, I almost don't even want to look at my phone anymore because it's so depressing. Yeah. But then I'll look on Facebook and there's some guy running around out there that I've never heard of, mm-hmm. Captain So-and-so. Yeah. And he's running around out there saying, I, I went all over the bay. I went over here. I went over there. I haven't seen a single dead fish. Yeah. And one of them did that in an area where Dean fishes yeah you know what what he's talking about you know what dean saw (laughs) dean was one of the first ones out there after the freeze and he was showing me videos and things where he said he couldn't he couldn't take a step without stepping on a trout and then this yahoo comes along and says there's no dead fish anywhere i haven't seen a single dead fish come on man yeah, I talked to Dean on the way up here, and he said that today was the worst day that he's seen. He oh, said, really? He, he said mid-bay dead fish, shoreline dead fish, dead fish all over the place. So, you know, and, and that's up-to-date stuff. Yeah, and, and this was just yesterday. that yeah. There was no dead fish yeah. anywhere. Well, that, Dean's been sending us dead so, fish since Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Well, I get it. I've honestly, I do. I get it. I understand you, it. I don't necessarily get it. Yeah, I, I understand. I understand where the, they're coming the motive. From. Yeah, they they're scared to death that they're going to lose their trips. Yeah, and honestly, where well, you're going to lose trips? Caleb's lost a bunch of trips. Mm. I've lost trips. Uh, I've been told to shut up about this. Yeah, because I'm I'm hurting business. Now, what's going to hurt business is you get your customers out there and they don't catch any damn fish. Yeah, and then when you've told them everything is fine Mm -hmm. that'll that'll end it you know it and there's a lot of situations though where it takes an experienced eye to find these dead fish there's not a billboard out there and a floating arrows (laughs) a floating sheet of dead fish these are fish that have been washed up and they're not oh i see what you're saying yeah Yeah. and these are fish that are laying on the bottom in two or three feet of water and you have to have the eye to see them Mm mm-hmm so, uh, you know, maybe some of them are trying to keep from hurting business. Maybe some of them just don't have the years and the experience to understand what it is they're looking at. Right. No, that that's a really good point. And, and uh, you know, it's so weird because a lot of times you get sensitive to the the 5% of people that say, oh, you guys are making too big a deal about this, et cetera. Um, I understand it. Everybody wants to be loved by everyone, but we need to remind ourselves as a community. In the Bite Me group page, anybody who listens to this podcast, any community of fishermen, the the 5% can't dictate what we know is right right now. You know what I mean? I had had a fellow tell me, you're just making it out to be worse than it is. I said, no, I'm just looking at the evidence. Yeah, I was a homicide investigator. That's what I did. I looked at evidence. And I'm looking at the evidence, and the evidence is piling up that this is a significant fish kill. Sorry, I don't want it to be. I would much rather be able to come along and say, hey, man, honestly, this this area, this area, this area are are good to go, green light. Mm -hmm. Uh, Be careful in this area and this area. We just don't know yet. It's starting Mm -hmm. to happen. Uh, On the way here, I talked to Thomas Barlow, and he's in West Bay, Mm -hmm. and he was one that I talked to before, and he said, man, I'm just not seeing much yet. And I said, give it time. I think they're going to float. He said, yeah. yeah, I think so, too. He was around for 89. He knew yeah. the freeze. And he called me today and said, there's thousands of trout floating up right now in the diversionary canal mm-hmm. at Hitchcock. Yeah, and, you know, it we're sensitive somewhat to the headaches that we get off of reading the, this stuff on social right, media right. and getting argued with. But at the end of the day, it makes you feel all right whenever you have marine biologists and Texas Parks and Wildlife, you know, behind what your your feelings are. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the one of the comments that I got because I've, I've I've been I put out a YouTube video that that got seen quite a bit, and I've been doing some stuff on my Facebook page, 
And one of the comments I got was, um, why don't you let Parks and Wildlife do their job oh, and I you just quit guessing? I saw that comment. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then the email we got says, hey, East Matagorda Bay was hit hard. And this is from Texas Parks and Wildlife. Well, exactly. So exactly. Uh, like I said, some of us are just we're, we're connected with the people that you're talking that we're talking to. Scott's and, texting a guy right now from there. Right. <laughs> I mean, that you've done yeah. that it today. Yeah. Uh, While we're talking, I'm still going back and forth with them. Yeah. Uh, they don't know. They don't have the means to get the word out a lot. You know, so they count on other people to put the word out. And I was told yesterday, you know, that they appreciate what we're doing. They listen to this podcast. It's what makes me so proud that, that we started this thing in, in, in 2017. Um, I, and, and, you know, to me, it's an emotional tie. Like, like you guys are obviously, you know, you grew up fishing and avid fishermen and uh, have an emotional tie to it. But it, it's also your profession, you know. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm hopefully going to have grandkids someday. And I just want them to experience what I have experienced. And that means that if I have to go a month, three months, six months, whatever, a year adjusting what I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you about it. You don't have to agree with it, uh, but I'm going to tell you that I think right now it's catch and release until further notice. Yeah. You, you talk to the guys that were here for the 60s, 70s, and 80s. You read the books about it. Mm -hmm. you, you they And how good the fishing was back then. And then you I, I talk to those guys, and they, and they tell me verbatim, son, you don't know what good fishing is, and you never will. Yeah. So there's there's a decline there. And like you said, if we want our kids and our grandkids to have it, we'll look at the generation gap between the guys in the 80s and today, and then our kids are going to be out there in 20 years. Yeah. Bottom line is this. Scott makes his living fishing. I make my living fishing. I have a, I'm a guide and a YouTube channel. That's it. You you have the podcast. Mm -hmm. There is no reason for us to come over here and try to make people think that it's bad out there whenever right. it's not because it is hurting us to do it. Right. But we elect to bring the real message forward and 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 tell the 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 truth in the and and like I said, right now the truth is it's looking bad. It's too early to tell. That's the truth. The, the truth isn't. This is the worst we ever had. The more people that listen to this and say, you know what, I think those guys are right, Scott. Um, then your grandkids and my grandkids and their grandkids are going to be able to at least have some good days. If we are, if if we were to listen to the five percent right now, and say, hey, everything's fine. Yeah, a few fish, uh, you know, rolled up here and there, but. The just, one I like here. Just go do your yeah, deal. One of my favorites that keeps circulating is there's no more fish killed in this freeze than it would be on a normal everyday weekend. Now, how many 10 pound trout are caught out of Matagorda <laughs> on a regular everyday weekend and killed? Yeah. I can't I, I can't even tell you one that's caught last year. Yeah. How many fish over seven pounds are caught and killed every day in Matagorda? Well, you heard Nick no. say there were more than 50. No, we're talking about no. Fishermen. I know. I'm saying yeah. that's the that's that's what yeah. happened yeah. just last Saturday. And I right. keep hearing this this sad excuse of ah, oh, there's that many fish hit the cleaning tables every week. Yeah. Not that class of fish. Yeah, those, those big fish don't hit the cleaning tables all that often. Caleb has walked every inch of that damn bay. He's thrown lures into every corner of it. I, I, I waded you, right through those ten. You waded right through those <laughs> where those ten pounders were. You know exactly where they were because Nick told you. Yeah. You've waited amongst them, mm -hmm. and you've never caught one. Nope. Me Caleb. and Pat and Nick have never caught one, and that's that's our home ground. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I mean, so uh, how how else can we quantify this for people yeah. out there that it's serious? 
I'm tr- I, we're we're talking about this because we want to help. Yeah. We want to help you. Uh, we want to help the fishery. We want to have a ton of fish. Uh, you know, moving forward for decades, uh, you know, weather permitting, uh, of course. I, I would much rather not be talking about this. I got. I, I want to talk I, about fishing. I, I, I sent you guys the texts, you know, every week about all my, my little crazy ideas on fishing topics and questions we get from the listeners, and I would much rather talk about that. In fact, you know what? Let's take a quick little break here and go to, to Chet because uh, he was talking about uh, post freeze, you know, so what you need to do with your with your trailering, uh, the red flags, the must you got to do because everything gets affected with that with that cold weather. And then we're going to come back, and I want to ask you about this the seagrass beds. This is straight from a listener. Seagrass beds, bait. I thought Nick had a really good point off air about the bait that I want to ask Caleb specifically about spawning, uh, all that. Uh, but let's see what Chet says about the trailering. All right, so warning signs on your trailer. It's it's a constant, uh, trust me, I know, it's a, a constant battle. Make sure your trailer is right, the hubs, uh, everything about it, um, the, the details of which can, can be a little bit overwhelming. So I'm with Chet Morampudi again this week. And uh, Chet, what, what do people, we all talk about boating and boats and, and, how you, and, and all your expertise that we tap into. I don't think we've really talked about trailers a lot with you. What should people be looking for as kind of an uh-oh moment? Or are some things okay, even if maybe it shows a little rust or something that, that, that's an easy fix at home uh, kind of thing? What do, you, what do people need to be aware of when it comes to their boat trailers? That's a really good question, John. Uh, a lot of the people, they miss this small detail. You're putting as much miles on your boat, you're putting the same as much miles on your trailer. So everybody wants to religiously uh, maintain the boat, but you got to understand, trailer, you got a lot of moving parts. So that is one thing that you as a boat owner, you have to take care of it. The basic thing is, is your axles. So a lot of the people, they miss greasing their hubs. And then I've seen people saying that, I grease my hubs every six months and, you know, still my axle broke. Yeah. So so this is what I ask them. Hey, how do you grease your hubs? Man, I just get my grease gun. I squat it a couple of times. Boom. But one thing you got to understand, that is not the right way to put grease. So every time when you grease a hub, make sure the old grease comes out of on the back of the wheel. Yeah. So wait until you see fresh grease. That is the best way to grease your hubs. Second thing, your trailer bunks. This is what I tell most of my customers. Every time when you launch your boat, when you go back to park your trailer, just give a quick eye on your bunks. Mm-hmm. That carpet does not stay forever. If you have a small cut in the carpet, the wood is now touching the fiberglass. And most of the time you don't see those scratches because it is covered by the bunks. Yeah. So always make sure your bunks are all carpeted good and then uh, talking about the maintenance the wiring once in a while make sure you walk around the trailer that all those lights are working you know but most of the time some of the grounds go bad and all you need is a police to pull you over you know for, yeah. for a broken tail light that's never happened to me <laughs> never, <laughs> never say never <laughs> so so the main thing you have to maintain in a trailer is your axles if you have a disc brake make sure you spray a lot of those uh, marine grease because we're in we're close to gulf coast yeah. you cannot avoid rust so sometimes a lot of the people see man all my axles my leaf springs are all rusted you gotta understand most of them are made out of galvanized 
material. So it only oxidized. Mm -hmm. If you see some rust, it is surface rust. If you got a wire brush, you know, take it up. You know, don't take it to a dealer until you do your due diligence yeah. with everything. You end up at a at a dealership, man, they will think that you're going to need a whole new axle. Don't do that. Do your own one-on-one -on -one basic step what needs to be done. Then, and also, you know, um, when if somebody else is backing up your trailer, just just look at your axles. Yeah. When they're turning it, make sure, you know, the wheels doesn't have any kind of, you know, anything. If you have a boat, which is less than 20 foot, you don't need no brakes on a trailer. Mm -hmm. Anything 20, 22 and above, always get a tandem axle with brakes. Mm -hmm. As for the DMV, the law is you need to have, uh, if you have a tandem axle trailer, at least have one axle with disc brake. Good thing you brought up brakes. If you have a brake, if you have a brakes on a trailer, it's not a four pin trailer connection, it's a five pin. Mm -hmm. So the fifth pin is your, is your 12 volt. So if you don't have a five pin connection, you can drive the boat with a four pin, but you cannot back it. So there's a small trick to do it. <laughs> so all you have to do now is, if you want to back it, take the trailer pin out, put your fifth pin in one of those holes on your truck. Now you got 12 volt, you can back the sucker. A lot of the people get stuck at the boat ramp saying, man, I don't have a five pin connection, I cannot back it up. Yeah. So all you have to do is give 12 volt to the fifth pin so the brakes are disabled. That's a helpful hint right there. I know a lot of people are probably going, I did that. I did that. Appreciate it. That's Chet Moore and Pudi at the Boatyard. And you guys know uh, they do such a fantastic job. A lot of our listeners, uh, we saw them over at the, the Galveston uh, fishing show, and they were all coming up to Chet like the rock star he is. So we'll get back to the show now. All right. So I was talking to Nick Offair after that uh, uh, You know, we were talking about those, those big trout that we saw and talking to him about that. And he had a really good point. Um, and I'm not exactly sure he wanted me to share this, but I'm, I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do here. <laughs> no, I think he's good with it. He said that the one, one of the hopes that he has, Caleb, I want to start with you, is that one of the reasons we really weren't catching, even the big trout, because I was asking him, I said, man, I told him what I just said. I, said, I was walking through right through those two weeks ago, right through those trout. And he, he, had, he brought up the point, he says, you know, even big bait or, or, or bait that those big trout are among, and even though they're, they're not school trout, it's still a lot of bait down there for them. You know, you, you, you have to still put your bait just right and, and distinguish yourself. And Scott and I talk about it all the time. His thing was, look, nobody wants the fish kill, but it, if it happens, it is going to affect the bait. Uh, big time. Do you think that ultimately, if everybody listens to this podcast and says, you know what, I'm going to be catching release at least through Labor Day with that Bite Me Challenge, um, do you think like it might actually, in a weird way, kind of help the fishery because there's not going to be an, as much of an abundance of bait that they have to regenerate? Yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's simple it's simple math. Because I think the question to me is, if there's less bait, do you think we can catch more fish? Bait kind of has to reset too. Right, is basically well, what the, I'm saying. You know, the the middle of the bay was was dead bait, and it's all part of the circle of life. You know, mm -hmm. you 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 want the you want the bait to be able to to bounce back just as much as you want the game fish to be able to bounce back, no doubt. Um, and then one of the things that that Nick and Pat and I have been talking about is would these fish be easier to catch with the less the less bait out there? Your 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 law of averages is is more in your favor, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it could be a positive on the from the standpoint of you know catching them and them not having so many other options to where that they won't eat your lure definitely but mm -hmm. but yeah let, letting the bait bounce back you know hey i don't 
I'm not sure if this goes to the question, but maybe we're buying less swimming things and 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 popping things to to use for bait to leave them out there to get better. To... <laughs> no, no. What do you yeah. think, Scott? You're you're really good on these these types of topics. What I've seen in the past and what I've read about in the past, uh, bait fish explode after this. Yeah. Bait fish are prolific. That's what they do. They they breed like crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're gonna bounce back a lot faster. They don't have to grow as far and be as big. You know, a trout when it's born, it's you know its ultimate size is gonna be in that twenty five to thirty inch range if we don't throw it in a cooler. Yeah. So a bait fish, his ultimate size may be three inches. <laughs> it takes a lot less time to get three inches. Mm-hmm. They also mature a lot faster. Uh, I'll use my pond for an example. I threw 9,000 fathead minnows in there. Mm-hmm. I didn't count them, but they, they swore to me it was 9,000 by weight. He said that those fish will, between the time I put them in there a month ago and May, 1st of May, they will have spawned three or four times. Mm-hmm. And those fish have tens of thousands of babies. So by the time I put bass in there in May, Think about it in those terms. Yeah. Okay. My my pond has no predators in it, none other than the birds that come by. Mm-hmm. So the bait fish is just reproducing like crazy. How'd you make out, by eaten. the way, with the bait fish on the? Freeze? I think I lost like four or five uh, uh, floaters that I saw. That's good. I mean, not it wasn't bad. Yeah. And I fed them yesterday, and they were just like goldfish on top of the water. Good. But uh, so you imagine it that way. Now I'm going to introduce my predators back into the mix. I think the bays are kind of the same way. I think the bait fish are looking around going, hey, ain't near as many trout out here trying to eat us. <laughs> and then they can breed and they can reproduce. Those That offspring can reproduce. Bait fish can start reproducing at a much younger age, mm-hmm. quicker than, than game fish and bigger fish. So I think we're going to see an explosion of bait, and then that will help the trout rebuild. No? Okay. Yeah, see, whenever you ask questions that, that – that are like that you got to ask scott first when he, when he answers it then i know what you asked me <laughs> i was told that after these last freezes that the crab population absolutely exploded because you know it killed all the redfish and whatnot in the back lake so the crabs yeah. had no predators and they and and think about how much food they have sitting on bottom sure you know any of these fish or crab or anything they're going to pick on dead fish they've got they've got more they food want. they can deal with buffet. And, and yeah it's a buffet so yeah so like scott said it, it's it's easily um thinkable that the bait fish population is going to come back real fast what about seagrass that was the other part of his question like uh, just shorelines and grass and and some of that uh forage in in past freezes i haven't been aware of any areas that Mm -hmm. uh, had grass and then behind the freeze they didn't have grass uh those mud flats get exposed i'm it's gonna knock them back you Mm -hmm. know those low tides exposed a lot of mud flats that had grass on it and I don't know how far down that froze, honestly. Yeah. I'm driving around town coming in today and looking. There's plants that are dead everywhere mm-hmm. all over the place. Oh, man. That I don't recall seeing dead in the past on cold fronts. I mean, there's some there's some major damage. And Caleb and I were talking about it on the ride in. He picked me up and, <laughs> and uh, I said, man, we're in the wrong business. We ought to be in a landscaper business. No kidding. Somebody's got to replace all these plants. Yeah. Or water pipe. So yeah. I don't know. I don't on, want to on, talk about that too much. Yeah. <laughs> Sore subject. <laughs> on, on the grass beds, I don't really think that there's going to be a big 
big deal with that. Caleb and I are going to go down and sit with Dr. McKee later yeah. this week. Yeah. And I think that'll be one good question we can ask him. Yeah. Yeah. You do that. Um, all right. So Caleb, what are you thinking right now? Um, just prospects, you know, that, that's the big question. Like, when can I go fishing again? I'm, and, and again, I always like to try to be positive or at least end the show on a positive note. I am going fishing. You can't keep me from going fishing. I'm going to do it a different way. And maybe I'll, I'll even approach how I'm boating to these places a different way. But tell us, uh, tell our listeners, what can they do? How should they do it just from today, Wednesday, uh, February 24th forward? Well, what I'm going to do, I'm going out tomorrow. I'm not taking a fishing pole with me. I'm going looking again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to try to look at some flats, see if there's an, you know a decent number of fish up on them. Um, I'm I'm going to go to look at some deeper holes, look for stuff like you know anything that shows me signs of life. Mm-hmm. Then I'm leaving them alone until next Monday. That gives them a full week of warming up and you know becoming becoming a little bit healthier, fish yeah. again. Now this is assuming that I I don't go down there tomorrow and there's just dead fish everywhere. Correct, but uh, and then I'm going to pay attention to the people in my area that that I know are giving me good, solid information, and I'm going to follow those leads as well. You know, if, if we can go out there, and we can catch and release. You know, trout that are that are they're healthy, their bodies look good, they don't feel like ice cubes, and we can turn them loose back in the water. Well, then you know, next week we'll start dabbling with that some. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they're still only stuck in the deep holes and they're they're Whenever I pull them up, they feel like little popsicles. I'm going to continue to leave them alone. You know, I want them to get warm. I want them to spread back out. I want them to go to the flats. I want them to be fish again and not um, survivors in a bomb shelter that I'm trying to catch. Scott, I'm just looking at Matagorda because I know Caleb kept up with the temperatures there. Yeah, let, let's uh, make it official. What would 50, Scott do? Fifty-six point one degrees yeah. is what it's showing now for the water temperature. Everybody says, "Man, we're in the eighties today." Water warms up a whole lot slower than the air does, but uh, fifty-six is good. I mean that that's ten degrees above the critical point of forty-five, so that that part's good. Mm-hmm. What was it? The lowest thirty-two point seven is what I oh. saw on Tuesday during the freeze. I did not go back until Saturday. It's it what it got uh, Tuesday night. What I get eighteen degrees. Wednesday night twenty yeah. something. Yeah. So how much it fell below thirty two point seven? No telling. I did. I did go out. There were entire coves frozen over. Entire back lakes frozen over. Mm-hmm. Um. It, it got pretty dang cold out there. And you're talking looking, about a bay that's five and a half foot deep. Looking at Rockport right now, it's still forty eight degree water temperature. It's barely over. Yeah. That's barely I mean, over the, the. You still got you still got fish in distress at, at forty eight degrees. Mm-hmm. They haven't had a chance to warm up. So, so wait a week at least. My deal is don't go run in the flats. Yeah, I, I don't want to see a damn boat burning anywhere mm-hmm. because those fish. Everybody's saying, "Oh man, I'm seeing them up on the flats." The reason they're up there is to warm up. That shallow water is going to warm up, gather that heat the the soonest. That's where we're going to find a bunch of fish. I hate to even say that because I know there's a few people out there that are going to go out there and, and hurt mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. But uh, leave those fish alone. Those ones that are up real shallow, it's tempting. I'm a sight casting guy, man. That's what I do. That's what you do and for I mean, a I, living. I love sight casting. <laughs> and I know right now I could book my whole week and take people out there and show them the time of their life on just cold stunned fish yeah. that are would accept a fly and we could get right up on top of them, I guarantee you. Yeah. But I'm not gonna do it. So I would I would really like to see everybody kind of hold off still. Let them get get right. 
I just looked at Rockport. It's 48 degrees. It's crazy. That's, that's nuts. Um, one more positive note for both of you guys um, that kind of just occurred to me as we're, as we're talking about this. Long term, we could be looking, long term being maybe a few months, um, but even beyond that, we could be looking at the golden age of redfish here. When you, when you think about all the bait, like Scott was talking about earlier, that's just going to multiply by the millions. When you look at that, the, how they seem, knock on wood, to have sustained it better than other fish, you look at how hopefully shows like this and, 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 uh, and other outlets are, are letting people know to back off for a while. We could be, I mean, you talk about a golden age of redfish in the next coming years. It is certainly possible. Um, you know, one thing I want to put out there is a lot of us guys that, that are redfishing, we are catch and release guys. Yeah. So whenever yeah. you show up in the places that we've been for five years, that fishery is usually still in pretty good shape because we don't cut the head off every single one of them. Yeah, you know, it just makes me feel better to say that. Yeah. Because, because as a redfish guy that's had a lot of stuff to his own for a long time, I'm, yeah. I'm a little nervous about this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it should be. Yeah. Behind the 89 freezes, before that, nobody cared anything about redfish. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, we caught a few here and there, but nobody really went out and just targeted redfish all that much. Following those freezes in 89... Redfish became a whole lot more popular because right. they survived. See, better. we're helping our listeners, man. But, but it's not just in the flats either. I mean, the redfish are just going to be abundant. You might yeah. you might start seeing big groups of them in the you know the schools and the bays. Yeah. It, but no, they they're going to have less competition to find their food and and a lot of food to, to eat. So uh, you know th- those tournaments might start taking twenty pounds to win instead of eighteen. <laughs> if you don't think if you don't think that Caleb McCumber likes to help fishermen. You should see the look on his face as he's reluctantly saying these things because he's trying to help our fishermen, but wants to be selfish about it, but he's not. Well, you're you're talking about my babies. Like, <laughs> he's the, like uh, the look on his face yeah. when I said cow trap you know, a while ago. Yeah, just, the same same look. The and same that, look. <laughs> and that's not even my favorite place, you know. But hey, Steve, too, my dog. If yeah. I catch a redfish, that redfish gets three little licks on the nose. He and sure does. If I catch a trout, Steve's like me yeah. and goes and lays under the console. I, I lick the trout three times. On I got to try like that. All right, guys. Uh, if you don't, again, uh, Caleb McCumber loves this podcast and Captain Caleb TV, um, and uh, he's definitely going to help you because it, it was really killing him to say those things. Scott, you got any parting shots here that you want to uh, say before we get uh, get moving on? I think I've said everything I need to say. <laughs> I probably ticked off a few people today, but look around and hard times reveal character. Mm-hmm. And you can look around right now and see whose character you want to follow. Captain Caleb TV is going to be all over this too. Yes, on yes. YouTube. Yes, where this this week I'm doing an update with Captain Wayne Davis. I'm gonna have Captain Cliff Webb, uh, Dean Thomas. Uh, I'm uh, Russell Smith, Captain Russell Smith up in Freeport. I have several guys that are in the harder hit areas. We're gonna do an update of what we're seeing currently. I plan to release that Friday evening, and then the following week we're gonna go see uh, Doctor McKee. And talk about this from a standpoint, from a you know, you know a science perspective. We'd uh, also like to maybe do an extra show while we're down there with Dr. McKee on something more fun. Yes, let's do that. Oh let's, no, hey. he's he is one of the top guys on collecting old fishing lures, old fishing oh, equipment, nice. all kind of vintage stuff, and he's invited us to go down there and, and go into his cave and uh, take a look around. Scott, since you behaved so much better today than I expected you to, we're going to let you do whatever show you want, sir. <laughs> you going to give me a cookie? <laughs> yeah, because 
on the ride up here, you, you were hot. I got a little well. <laughs> you were hot. And, uh, in fact, when we walked in here, Caleb told Johnny needed to keep a finger on the button to, yeah. to beat me out. It's because like, we love it, I'm, man. Yeah. We love it, and we want our listeners to love it and, and enjoy it uh, as much as you can. Go fishing. Do what we do uh, as much as you can. Just just do it the right way, at least until further notice. I didn't even really get to to, to talk too much about. Uh, uh, you know, the Bite Me gear that you can get on, on uh, uh, or, or, or or favorite lures, of course. Uh, what are you throwing right now, Caleb? I want to I want to give them a shout out because they need it right now uh, because people I still want people to buy all this gear from our friends. I'm talking about lures right now. And then, Scott, I want you to do it as well. We want to help the industry. I am still throwing the heck out of the DOA, the five and a half inch uh, jerk shad. Then of course you've always I always have my little three inch paddle tails, and then uh, whenever I need the in between, I've been throwing a lot of the Kelly Wiggler ball tails. So that's about all that's been getting thrown out of my boat. Three inch paddle tail DOA. There we go. That, uh, Copper Crush, I think, is my new favorite. I, I still need to get you some of those knocking tails uh, to to try those out. They're really good just to reel, especially when you're learning. Um, oh, uh, stay tuned also because Deadly Dudley has an online. Uh, uh, purchase site now that you can just buy it you don't have to go through all these uh we want to help out all the stores especially the smaller ones but you can go straight to deadlydudley.com and purchase those uh i'm going to interview uh my guys from wade right i promised it last week we're going to do it next week because again this was sort of a special show but uh the wade right madre sling and the wade right belt um, all that good stuff man we really appreciate you guys uh listening and i hope you realize how much we love fishing and and talking fishing and we don't like talking about this, but feel like we have to. Hopefully, we mixed in enough of those topics. Next week, I promise, I promise, 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 going to be a fishing strategy and technique-heavy show. Uh, so, guys, join us. Uh, stay stay plugged in on uh, the Bite Me group page. Uh, at, tell your friends about it. Uh, subscribe to uh, the podcast as well. And every time we post it, you'll get noticed. And go fishing. Do it the right way, but go fishing. We'll talk to you next time.